We're gonna bring y'all into our huddle. You are the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. I am fired up to announce we've got a full house today. Joining me per usual, my producer, Marcus. And what's up, Dub Nation? And our master of all things sound, Maxine. How's it going? Boys, we've got Connor coming in to talk about all things Warriors. I'm fired up, have hella questions for him. But we've got a couple logistical things that I wanted to put on record. One a little bit more important than the other before we invited Connor in. Let's get the, uh, well, now I make this seem like it's not important. I didn't mean to hedge my own take, but the less important important one. We promised a reveal from Maddie Stats on all the bets we reached with Bonte, why Bonte will be calling me a champion, while, or why Marcus rather should start just agreeing with me instead <laughs> of Bonte, all these things. Unfortunately, Maddie had a family conflict, uh, couldn't join us today, so he will be joining us next week. We will finally get the results of some of those predictions. But maybe more importantly, the other thing I wanted to announce is the introduction of our soundboard. Like, we're actually coming off as a real kind of competent show here. So, Maxine, what am I looking at? Yeah, we got all sorts of different options uh, on an NPC-like device, for those who know what that is. So at any point in time, we can just hit a sound, and uh, that's going to be played live for everybody out there. I'm looking at the device, and I don't know what an NPC device is, (laughs) which I know just backs your idea that I don't know technological stuff. Go f*** yourself, Maxine. (laughs) But nonetheless, apparently what we have here is the ability to play sounds at any point we want them. It's going to add a little bit of pressure, I think. All of us can probably use these things at any point, but at least early on, I'm going to be leaning on either Marcus or Maxime, so we can all kind of think whether or not they're doing a good job when they use it or they don't. But what do we have? Give us some of the sounds here. Uh, All right, so you know. We can, uh, we'll celebrate the fact that this exists at all. With a little applause. Little applause, fancy, yeah. nice. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's my favorite. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys don't nice. know is that even though Marcus 100% knew that it was going to be the Kawhi laugh, this fool just brushed it out in the biggest smile. Like, it made him genuinely happy that that was out there. Give us one more. Such a great laugh. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up. <laughs> feel like that one's for me. Yeah, you grow <laughs> yeah, up. Okay. I feel like that one's for me. Whatever. Anyways, if you suddenly hear Kawhi interrupting us with his laugh or Katie telling us to grow up or random applause or any of these other things that are out there, know that either Marcus or Maxime have decided to drop a take uh, via soundboard button hit and let us know. Shoot us an email. We're, we're just trying to figure out whether or not we should have this going forward. It's kind of an exploratory phase, so uh, we are anxious to catch your opinions. With that in mind, let's call Connor, and somewhere along the line, we will surprise him with a little kawaii laugh as this thing goes. <laughs> I am fired up to announce that joining us, the Golden State beat writer for the San Francisco Chronicle, a man who covers every Warriors practice, press conference, shoot around, and game, and the owner of the hottest apartment in Alameda, California, Mr. Connor Letourneau. What's going on, Connor? Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. I know that you're at Chase Center now just to make yourself feel at home. Do you travel with like a portable heater and like a thousand suns or no? No, but the part of the reason why I spend so much time at Chase Center is uh, to avoid my hot box of an apartment. So, um, you know, luckily my apartment was not one of the many affected by the power outages. So, so that's a win, I guess. I guess so. Here's a loss. After we left your apartment, all of our equipment was partially melted. And, I mean, which is what it is. It still works. I mean, you can hear us now, but I wouldn't qualify it 
as a win. Speaking of concerns, and I'm never this smooth on transitions, or transitions rather, but it, it happened to work out now. Right when I'm trying to blow myself for being smooth, I can't complete the word transitions. But nonetheless, uh, we're on the other side of the first preseason game, Connor. You might agree with me that it illustrated a team that doesn't look like they're going to burn the, uh, the league down with their success. And crazy early, they didn't have Loon, didn't have Willie Colley-Stein. It's literally their first game. It's preseason. It means nothing. But it still illustrated that there might be some concerns heading into the year. So what I want to do with you today, we reached out onto social media, Maxime, Marcus, and I have put our heads together. We've got like the biggest things we're worried about for the Warriors going into the, uh, the upcoming season. And the idea is we'll put it on the table, figure out how big of a worry it is, and then hopefully, I don't know, maybe not, but hopefully talk our way out of the rabbit hole, figure out why we shouldn't be that worried about it. And let me start here. Safe space, right? This is a Warriors podcast. We all believe in the Warriors. We all know that this is a very talented team. These concerns don't mean that we're turning our back or we don't think they have a shot. It just means that we're no longer a team that features, you know, five surefire Hall of Fame all-stars and a, a bench that could beat almost any other team. It's just a different analysis. So, Connor, here's our first one. The ability to defend anywhere without our top three of our top four defenders. Um, it doesn't require too much explanation. With Clay's injury, Andre's departure, KD leaving, we've lost three of our top four defenders. And it sure as hell looked like that against LA. Um, Marcus and I were joking, Connor, on the third or fourth possession when Jacob Evans was still guarding LeBron, you suddenly realized, like, my God, that wasn't a mismanaged switch. That was the matchup. And you realize, like, that's not going to work. We've got some defensive holes. So, in your opinion, how big of a problem is our ability to defend going into next year? I think it's a huge, huge issue. Um, you know, you, you look at it and kind of you, you just alluded to it, but outside of Draymond, they don't have a single proven defender. I mean, Who's their second best defender? Alfonso Adams? McKinney? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, legitimately, Alfonso McKinney might be their second, and he's, you know, marginally above average at best. Um, they have guys who have length. They, guys, they have guys who have the potential and ability to be solid defenders, guys like Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third. These guys have the tools. Uh, obviously, Willie Cauley-Stein, when he comes back, from his injury, but they haven't really shown it in a consistent way yet. And and to me, probably the most glaring concern is is the the backcourt. Um, your starting backcourt is Steph Curry and D'Angelo Russell, who obviously have plenty of offensive firepower, but defensively, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, you know, the defenses historically uh, have have wanted to exploit. Steph Curry in pick and roll situations and the Warriors because of the bevy of defenders that had around him have, have been able a lot of times to hide him uh, but they're not going to be able to do that anymore with D'Angelo Russell next to him. D'Angelo is obviously a guy who hasn't really I don't, tried to be much of a defender because he's focused so much on his offense. I think the Warriors will try to get, get something out of him defensively but he hasn't shown anything yet and then you know, you look at that bench, Jordan Poole, he's downright awful, I think, defensively, <laughs> at least what he's shown in the past. I think he could be decent, but, like, he hasn't shown anything. So, uh, huge, huge concern. Honestly, it might be number one on my list of Warriors 
issues. You guys agree? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a worry, <clears throat> a point of worry for me. I, I think, I think this year is one of those mulligan years where you just kind of try to get through it, not be injured, and oh, <laughs> but <laughs> that's not what I want to hear. The term mulligan does not make me feel that much better about next year. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, defense is a, is a key key thing. I my answer for that, what my biggest worry is, a little different. But to Connor's point, I, when you ask who's the second best defender, it's just. You know, it's crickets, and I think you can pick from a bunch of different people. I would lean towards Loon, but Loon is still not an amazing defender, so um, it's going to be a problem. It was highlighted as a problem all year, and we're going to need Ron Adams to pull out a miracle for us. Okay, and that's and that's another concern to me is Ron Adams. It's not an ideal time for Ron Adams to take a step back in his responsibilities. Uh, you know, Ron Adams is not going to be at, at every road game. Uh, he's not going to be at the bench a lot of ga- on the bench a lot of games, um, and he's handed over the defensive coordinator responsibilities to Darren Collins, who's never had that role before. So that's another concern to, to heap on this already growing list of defensive concerns. Um, and and Darren Collins is overseeing a complete offensive or defensive overhaul because of the lack of proven defenders that we discussed they can't really expect to switch nearly as much as they have in the past so they're going to have to have a different defensive system with a different guy leading that charge we added a soundboard literally a soundboard we have the ability to like play different random sounds now and one of the sounds we added was Kawhi's laugh we should have added Kawhi's crying sound because (laughs) what I was going to you just hedged what I thought was going to be the reason why we might be able to climb out of this defensive hole, right? So I'll, I'll explain what I was going to say, but you've already said why it's not going to have the same impact. But it was, I was going to tell you, Ron Adams, right? Under Mark Jackson, before Kerr and his staff came, they, they said defense is going to be the priority, but they weren't the defensive you know, juggernaut that they ultimately became. And one of the reasons that everybody was able to step up their games because Ron Adams. And you just told us that, you know, we've got building blocks. We don't have a defensive house yet, but we have the bricks to build them. And Burks and Glenn Robinson and Willie Colley-Stein. And I was hoping what that meant is, go work with Ron Adams. We'll be all right. But if you're telling me that the goddamn guy is not even going to be there, well, I need a quiet crying sound, man, because that doesn't make me feel that much better. So, I mean... He'll, he'll be around, and, and obviously he'll be a sounding board when Jaron has questions. But, um, you know, he's not leading the defense he's not the quote-unquote defensive coordinator anymore and you know I think it was just a situation where he's 72 years old and kind of wanted to take a step back and inch toward retirement but from a timing standpoint it is far from ideal for the Warriors do you think of any reason why we'll be all right no I was actually going to go the opposite direction I was thinking about the the points in the paint and our inability to have any sort of rebounding or uh, blocking shots at the rim so no, uh, it's, yeah, it's dark times I mean, over here. <laughs> your only true center is Willie Cauley-Stein, who might be one of the worst seven-foot shot blockers in the NBA. <laughs> so that's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not, a, not an ideal situation. I mean, I started this by joking about the Kawhi crying sound, but like, I legitimately <laughs> need one now. So can, can you guys give me, so we, we can hope on the ghost of Ron Adams to continue to develop these guys. Is there any other reason why we can expect some development on the defensive end? Or, as Marcus put it, is this a mulligan year and we hope to lean on something else and develop defense as we go forward? 
I think that uh, the fact that you have Draymond is probably the biggest thing they have going for them. Um, Draymond is going to take it on himself to get the most out of these guys defensively. I've heard a lot of stories from practice where he's been getting on the young guys and kind of teaching them how to defend and bring that motor every given any given night. So um, that that that's nice. You know, you still have one of the best defenders in the league, and you have young motivated players who want to live up to expectations and and impress someone like Draymond who's a locker room leader and and like I said earlier I I do think that a lot of these young guys have defensive potential you know they have really good wingspans they're pretty athletic uh, and a lot of defense is is just effort so uh, they're going to have every reason to give full effort and to be motivated that actually triggers a huddle controversy, man. Um, and I don't want to drag us back into last week, but we had this huge fight last week. We had Bonte in, and what I was saying, and I'm sure you heard all of this, and I mean, we were at the press conference, so of course you heard it. But Draymond dropped that little story about how he invited some of the younger guys, Omari Spellman included, to hit the Janet Jackson concert. And I said, for some of the reasons that you're now explaining, they should have gone. I don't give a where they invited them. They should have gone. They should have started developing that relationship so Draymond could start departing the kind of knowledge you're talking about. Bonte and Marcus told me I was being crazy. Look, they can develop that anywhere else. You are on the floor, man. You, you have a much closer view to this than, uh, than either of us do. What do you think? Do you think that there is some kind of obligation? Should those younger players have showed up or am I being ridiculous? I think they, they probably should have. I mean... I know if I was in their situation and someone like Draymond reached out to me to hang out, it really wouldn't matter where he wanted to hang out. <laughs> it would just matter that someone of that caliber uh, of player who I can learn a lot from is reaching out to me and, and trying to take steps forward as a mentor. You know, it's kind of on the it's kind of the responsibility of the young person to accept that type of mentorship when it's when it's handed out. Now, there will be plenty of opportunities. I don't think people should look at something like that, an anecdote like that, and worry too much. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was a little weird. I mean, the reality, too, is you have to understand a lot of these young guys just moved to the city. They don't really know anyone. Probably don't have a lot of options in terms of social life. You you might assume every NBA player, you know, is, is going out every single night. But if you're new to a city, you don't know anyone. There's not there's not a lot of invites there, um, so someone like Omari, who you know is a second year player, he's trying to get his career on track, who's brand new to the city. Um, yeah, I would I would put up with not really knowing the songs to hang out in a really nice suite with Draymond Green, you know. But uh, I, I wouldn't worry too much about about that. That triggers the most important question I'm going to ask you today. Um, am I right in assuming that while you said that, you were flipping off Marcus with both of your middle fingers? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, looking back at our age, it makes sense. And I agree. We, we have this bias of being able to know that it, the experience that comes with going to a concert like that or an event with a veteran. I think 
pool and Spellman, whoever else was invited, are just too young to understand. I think you ask them again in two, three years, they all go. Just take a mulligan on your take. <laughs> it is what it is. It's a mulligan take, and we are now moving on with the next biggest problem. We need Janet Jackson sound effects, right? Here. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> next thing, make that happen. A little, yes, Janet, little Janet Jackson sound effects, please. Um, here's our next big worry, and it's a legitimate one. Um, it is a lack of depth along with a hard cap. So after the Warriors made the trade for D'Angelo Russell, they went under a hard cap. I can't tell you enough about the CBA to really explain that outside of saying what it means is they can't really make any other moves. You know, So if they were, God forbid, to lose one of their major players, Steph rolls an ankle, uh, Draymond needs to move, leave some time, D'Angelo strains a, a hamstring, something like that, the Warriors aren't going to be able to bring somebody else in, and they're not going to be able to lean on the depth we've become really accustomed to. There is no KD coming off the bench. So how big of a problem is that? It's huge. Uh, it's probably 1B to the defense being 1A. Um, you know, the the fact that this, this team is so fragile just has a trickle-down effect throughout the entire roster you know in past years you could lose someone like KD or Steph for a few games or even a couple weeks and it wasn't a huge deal no one was no one was sounding the alarm but if Steph gets a significant injury this season if he has to miss a month or two at a time you might as well just wave the white flag right there because it's hard to imagine this roster beating NBA teams without someone like Steph or Draymond out there when you already know that Clay is going to be gone until late February, early March at the earliest. So, um, you know, they're in such a situation right now where someone like Willie Cauley-Stein potentially missing extended time is, is really scary. Now, Willie Cauley-Stein is probably an average to barely above average NBA player, but given the makeup of this roster, he really matters to what they're trying to do. Uh, he's their only prototypical center uh, he he's really the only seven footer on the roster, and he's their only proven center outside of Kevon Looney, who's in an ideal world probably more of a four. Um, so him missing extended time puts you in a situation where in training camp Kevon Looney has a minor hamstring tweak. Rookie Alan Smiley t- rolls his ankle, and suddenly the Warriors are starting Amari Spellman at center, <laughs> and their only backup is. Uh, Mark Reese Chris and they had to go bring in Kavion Pippen who I'd never even heard of a couple <laughs> days ago the nephew of Scotty Pippen a, a, an undrafted out of uh, Southern Illinois just to have enough training camp bodies so the fact that they're that thin this early in preseason is scary uh, it's terrifying I got some bullet point responses to what you were just saying one a long-term absence from Willie Collinstein, just like you talked about, he misses one game in preseason. I panic enough to have a giant holes in the Warriors team podcast, man. <laughs> so yes, to Omari Spellman, I shouldn't do this. There's no reason for me to take a shot. But that dude does not look like someone who just lost 42 pounds. That dude looks like someone who just lost eight pounds. And you're like, way to go. Maybe keep it going. I am a little concerned about his overall body conditioning, and hopefully this is going to continue. I'll just keep it there. Um, <laughs> as far as it says, uh, of course you're right. You know, and identifying the lack of depth on this team is what it is. There's not a whole lot of counter to it. So let me give you what I hope is my response, and then tell me if I'm just being ridiculous. 
if I had to handpick any front office on the face of the earth who I was going to put my trust into to figure their way through both a brand new roster, to figure out new roles, and to figure out how to get around a hard cap, be these guys. You know, it was impossible to get uh, Iguodala in because Andres Bedrin's contract was unmovable. God knows how they moved it, but Utah took it. You know, it was impossible to consider that a team that had won 73 wins was going to bring in maybe the best player on earth. Impossible. Happened. You know, it was impossible that they were going to get back another all-star when they gave up Kevin Durant. Happened again. So I, I don't know what they can do. And I understand the CBA may actually literally prevent them from doing it. But if I had to back anybody on earth, it'd be Bob Myers and the boys to bring us out of this. Am I crazy? I just, yeah. I mean, I think the hard cap is the... The hard cap is the challenge, right? I mean, to your to your point, so we're hard capped. We have a little over $400,000 left. When you prorate a contract out, that means the, it goes down by a certain amount, you know, each game that's played. So we couldn't sign a veteran for the minimum until early March. And that's right when, as Connor was saying, that's when Clay's expected to be back. So early March will be a big time for us so we can decide and we can see if there are any veteran veterans out there that fill any holes and gaps for us and then maybe clay comes back too but i think until then it's just you know like triage season and um you know like we're having a discussion of how panicked we are when willie collie stein is out for a preseason game like it just highlights the difference between last year and this year but um you know i mean marquise chris is is talented. He comes in, he plays pretty well. And, you know, I, I think what you'll see us do is probably keep McKinney. I know there's been rumblings of, you know, maybe he will, he won't stay, but I think we keep McKinney. I think we let Kai Bowman go and we sign Marquise Chris to the two-way contract yeah. and let him stay in the, you know, G League and come back and forth because once Loon and Smiley and Willie Colley Stein are back, then we have that front court depth and we'll still need some long arms and, you know, some more switchable players. Address both of those, Connor. Um, can Myers get us out of this problem? I'm sure that he can't, but let us know. And is Marquise Chris a long term addition? Um, because I've I've been reading you on social media too and I know that the Warriors like him a lot. Yeah, so kinda you make you're probably speaking for all Warriors fans when you express that optimism in the Warriors front office, and I don't blame you at all. The Warriors throughout this five, six-year run have shown a penchant for when it, when things seem impossible, when their backs are against the wall, they kind of pull a rabbit out of the hat. And a, a phenomenal example of that, obviously, being during free agency when as soon as Kevin Durant goes to Brooklyn, Bob Myers orchestrates this sign-and-trade, this extremely complex sign and trade on the fly with Brooklyn to bring over a 23-year-old all-star in D'Angelo Russell. But what you're seeing right now is how much the Warriors had to give up and all the ramifications that the Warriors had to endure to get D'Angelo Russell because it's it, it's having a direct impact on their roster today and, and their flexibility to go add other guys. Um, now... I've thought a lot about this situation. I, I've actually been very impressed with what I've seen from Marcus Chris. Um, he's a guy who's only 22 years old. He's a top 10 pick three years ago by Phoenix. Was an all-rookie team guy. And 
you know, he's had some questions about his attitude. He had, he's not a guy who's gone and stuck up a, a grocery store or anything, but he, he talked back to coaches and, and that sort of thing. And he, his basketball IQ has been questioned. And in the NBA, you combine those two things, it can be enough to put your career on life support, which is the situation he's in right now. He came to the Warriors knowing their salary cap situation and still uh, decided to come to training camp. And the reality is, you were just talking about pure talent. I think he's more talented than several guys on that 15-man roster. I think in an ideal world, they would probably cut someone like a Glenn Robinson III, who I don't think really provides much on a night-to-night basis for an NBA team at this point to clear the way for Marcus Chris. But they can't cut Glenn Robinson III or anyone they, they signed this summer because under the CBA, if you sign someone in the summer, you can't waive them until, or, you know, get rid of them until December. And so their only non-guaranteed guy right now is Alfonso McKinney, which is why everyone's been talking about the possibility of him getting cut. Now, I don't think he's going to get cut. I heard today, talking to some people in the organization, he's actually been assured in the past 24 hours that he will not be cut. Um, So that leaves them with very limited, limited options. They either either trade someone to free up a spot for for Marcus Chris, which to do that, they would probably have to give up a draft pick, and they don't have a lot of draft picks. They've already gotten rid of a lot of, of, a lot of draft picks. Or they wave Kai Bowman or Damian Lee, like, like Marcus alluded to, to give him a two-way contract. Um, I personally would actually rather see them wave Damian Lee over Kai Bowman, uh, just because Damian Lee's 26 years old. I don't think he has a ton of upside. Uh, you know, you shouldn't really, in my opinion, you shouldn't really be spending a two-way contract on a 26-year-old. Uh, you That should be for someone you can kind of groom. And But the big question I have is, would Marcus Chris even take a two-way contract? Mm-hmm. Because he, if he continues to get a bunch of playing time in preseason and impress, he's probably going to get a guaranteed offer somewhere else. And he said today he would only consider a two-way if that's the only thing that's on the table. And I think there's, he'd have an opportunity to, to, to land a guaranteed spot somewhere else. So there's no guarantee that they could even get him on the two-way. Well, and us talking about this, these kind of rumblings, these ideas that, look, he's he, we need to figure out a way to get him on the team is exactly why he doesn't have to accept a two-way, is why some other team. I mean, he's he's still a young kid, former eighth pick. I mean, he's under 20, like three years old, right? So, yeah, I, I could see if they don't actually sack up and give him a full contract here, I don't think he'll necessarily stay. And I'd love to see him here. I actually liked his upside and some of the things he did during that preseason game. Yeah, no, he's he's a talented guy. There's a reason why he went top 10 in the draft in 2016. I mean, the guy has a 7-3 wingspan, a 40-inch vertical. I mean, he's a stud. Um, and I think you can – I actually think he's the type of guy where if they can get him right mentally, he could actually blossom into a real building block of this franchise. Like I said, he's only 22 years old. So – there's a lot of upside there, and there should be a lot of excitement if you can find a way to keep them on the roster. It's just this, this signing trade with Brooklyn just put them in such an impossible situation. It's, it's hard to find. It's, it's hard to imagine someone like Bob Myers can even find a way. And I, I know I heard I talked to someone in the front office today who said, look, people don't want to accept this, but we're probably just not going to be able to do anything. I mean, that's what this comes mm. down to. They, they're just, they're, their hands are tied. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, and and it, 
I will be transparent, and it pains me to do it. Um, but really, the way I'm looking at this year, I won't use the word mulligan because I've already made fun of it. Um, but this is all playing with the house's money this year. Maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe there'll be some incredible run that none of us actually anticipated. But far more likely, there's going to be a step back. You know, we might make the playoffs. We might not. But if you take a broader view, we're coming on the back end of three titles. You know, we've been in the finals five straight times at the risk of, of a kind of sh- analogy you know I, I play craps when i go to a casino i hate all other games unless i've won at craps if i go out and i make a whole bunch of money and i'm feeling phenomenal about it then i might stop by the blackjack table and you know i'll throw a couple hundred dollars down maybe it goes well great if it doesn't who cares i'm playing with the house's money that's what this is we've spent the last year winning and winning and winning and winning and we have all of this great goodwill piled up we now get to spend it in a different game we got to figure out how this new team is going to work out. Maybe it'll be successful, maybe it won't. But you know, there's going to be some bumps and bruises learning how to play this new game along the way. And that kind of leads into my, my biggest worry. Like for the, the blueprint that we created for how to win with a set of players that bucks the traditional way of having a big man that you toss the ball into in the center and, you know, play through play through the block um all the other teams a lot of the teams in the west in particular have taken that blueprint and have executed against it better than we have this year and you look at the depth of the west and my biggest worry is where do we land in that like some of the teams you start to see them playing in these preseason games and they're just deep like denver added a bunch of people that they had no business adding like their one through 15 was probably deeper than toronto was last year and they were the deepest team you have both la teams you have utah who traded rubio and jay crowder for mike conley and bogdanovich so you know they're going to be a tough out and then you have portland who always seems to get it done and a minnesota team that's what three years away from being like this crazy dark horse we exactly. were all terrified of. and san antonio you always count them out so i you know like i know we did our predictions but i, I see us landing in the eight seed now like just getting in and um you know I'm, I'm on the record here of saying houston wins so i see us playing houston in the first round and it's you know, don't I, give me the prediction of that. I yeah. don't feel like being depressed. <laughs> I, I mean, I can do the math if you think Houston's going to win it, but I don't need you to to actually say it. How worried are you about that? Uh, no, I'm also quite worried. I think the only silver lining here is what I was just thinking about is that uh, we owe that pick to Brooklyn, and it's top 20 protected. So <laughs> if we don't make it, the silver lining is at least that converts to a 2025 second rounder, and uh, and then it's just a rebuilding okay. season. I'm hitting the emergency brake. Uh, this this <laughs> this in particular worry train is flying down these tracks a little bit too fast for me. All right. So look, I, I understand what I just said. I gave you the whole casino analogy, but let me bounce back. And Connor, give me some help here. This team still has, presumably, four all-stars, still has all the championship experience we've been leaning on, still has Kerr, still has Adams, or at least occasionally still has Adams. Do you, I mean, just as a, as a cold dose of reality, is this a playoff team in your mind? Please say yes, please say yes. I think they're a playoff team. Um, but like I said earlier, <laughs> they're one injury or two significant injuries away from not being a playoff team. Um, they need to stay healthy. They need a lot of things to go their way to be very much in the hunt for a playoff seed when Clay comes back from his ACL tear. Now, Clay, I think, is going to be very motivated. He's going to be very 
uh, rejuvenated with, from all the time off. I don't think they're going to rush him back in any way. And this is obviously a guy who's shown a penchant for being able to come back from injury. So I think he'll be close to 100%. Um, and I think it can also provide a bit of an emotional boost. I think it's the type of situation where if they can hang on for like a 6, 7, maybe even 8 seed, and they have a totally healthy clay and everyone's uh, healthy going into the playoffs, they could steal a series or two. You know, they could still make the Western Conference Finals um, because of that championship pedigree, because the fact they do have four all-stars. Um, so, uh, but it's it, it, it's going to be fascinating because it's also very plausible that, you know, Steph misses time, Draymond misses some time, and they don't even have a chance of getting a playoff seed once Clay comes back. I mean, that's, that's the reality. And if you... If you had told me that just a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, come on, they're definitely getting a playoff seed. I, I was that person who was like, all oh, this talk about them missing the playoffs is absurd. But now that I'm actually around the team every day and I'm you know, seeing them every day and I'm talking to all the new guys and I'm just seeing it in person, it, all these concerns we're talking about are really becoming reality. They're really sinking in. So, um yeah, it, it, it could be a, a, a transitional year for sure. I'm going to give us a dose of optimism. I was going to say reality, but we won't know if it's reality. We'll just call it an optimistic take. I have a lot of um, respect for Coach Kerr's ability to turn this team around. Let me put that a different way. I view this guy as a Hall of Fame coach. I've said that a million times, and up until now, he has had a team that did nothing but fit his in particular coaching style. After a year, that's not true anymore, right? He's got a new roster that doesn't fit the system that he already had in play. What I think this team needs, hopefully, more than all those other concerns, is time. Give Coach Kerr time to hopefully develop an offensive and defensive system that deals with the people he currently has. Here's another stripped-down analogy. He's changed instruments. Give him some time to learn how to play it. We are, we are right now, we're jumping into all of these concerns, all these worries after a training camp and a single preseason game. The best coaches on earth wouldn't have been able to make that team look good in that first game. It wasn't going to happen. Now, I don't know if these things are going to disappear. The, the, the depth is a problem, man. The D is a problem. But there's reasons to believe that this staff can figure out a system beyond the one they ran on Saturday night that will put these pieces together in a much more coherent way, which triggers the, another kind of a weird concern. We'll just call it an observation. Um, you know how I feel, Connor, about Draymond. He's a Hall of Famer, man. He's, he's one of the greatest players of all time. But one of the things I thought I kind of solved during that first preseason game is that for Draymond to show his excellence, he needs to be surrounded by smart players. He needs to, to, to be playing with guys who know their roles. Because if people don't know the offense and the defense, and he's not in a position to throw that perfect pass that's leading someone to go where they need to go because they know the offense or to point where they need to go in a defensive capability, he becomes just a regular power forward. He's a guy who can rebound and kind of play out of position, but all those other intangibles are gone, you know? And that's what we saw on Saturday. So I am hoping that with time, these guys learn their roles. By learning their roles, Draymond knows what they need to do. And by knowing what they need to do, Draymond, Kerr, sometimes Adams, Collins, all of those guys may ultimately push this thing in the right direction. And at the end of that, I'm going to press my own button. Boom! Applause for me! Now, Connor, am I being ridiculous? No, no. I think 
I think your logic is very sound, and that all makes very sense, very much sense, which which uh, doesn't happen very often. So props <laughs> to you. <laughs> oh, you Boo. And as you can tell, again, Connor, we are overplaying the uh, the soundboard. I don't even know if you can hear those sound effects. If you can, we've been playing them left and right on our side. Uh, but let me transition. So. You boys, I don't think, have gotten through one of these. The audience certainly has. Um, Connor plays dual roles on the show. He is not only our go-to Warriors expert, not only the man with the stories off the court, but he also is the honorable Connor Letourneau in a segment we like to call Basketball Court. In this, we bring him occasionally socially awkward uh, things that have happened, things that we need a really intelligent perspective on and Connor sits back and uh, ultimately gives us a decision and I have a case for him today. Connor, this one's exciting because it's also going to incorporate another expertise on uh, our producer on the show, Marcus, because he works for Yahoo. Let me set up our problem and then let's get to all three of you guys for a ruling. Here's the problem. This last weekend, boys, I went to Tahoe for a fantasy draft. It's been scheduled for like a year. We were all excited to do it. We went out there. I had the sixth pick. Um, The guy in front of me had the fifth pick. And for those people who are playing fantasy basketball, the first five or six picks are pretty much set in stone. You know, they change as far as order, but the people who are out there, it's, it's Giannis, it's Steph, it's LeBron, it's Carl Anthony Towns, it's James Harden, it's these guys, right? So the first one, two, three, four picks all go off without a hitch. The guy in front of me, there's a pause, there's a pause, there's a pause. He takes a holiday, the third holiday brother. I didn't even know there was a third holiday brother, Connor, which drops uh, Carl Anthony Towns to me, and the board goes crazy. Everybody loses their mind. The guy who made the pick swears up and down that he didn't pick him. There was some electrical impulse that Yahoo must have shot in there. This was a Yahoo draft. That's why Marcus, by the way, is an expert. He, in fact, works for Yahoo that he had nothing to do with picking a holiday, that we needed to pause the draft and reset it. A lot of other people were like, bullshit. Uh, there's no way that you can prove that that's in fact what happened. We've put this in play for a long period of time. We'll never get all together. And they didn't want to reset the draft. So what was the right move? Should we have reset the whole damn thing, right? Because it's a $100 buy-in. It's a business. This guy didn't get to draft his team. Or... Do we just keep marching forward? It is what it is. We assume you made a mistake or you just roll with whatever electrical impulses Yahoo throws into its draft structure. Um, Connor, you're going to be our closeout, probably our deciding vote. So sit back for a moment. Let's hear from the Yahoo man. What's up with your system? <laughs> What's going on? Over there? Well, we are the number one rated fantasy game. So I will throw that out there. Um, not sure who this this player was who selected Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday is great, but he's definitely not worthy of being a top five pick. Okay. Um, but that said, I think what happened, because there, there's no way that you, if you don't set that player in that position or click on him that he gets selected. There's no electrical impulse. Say that again. I want to make sure I'm hearing <laughs> what you're saying. As someone who works for Yahoo, it is an impossibility that that happens. Yes. I work for Yahoo Sports specifically. Too, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So there's no electrical impulse that automatically selects a player for you randomly. Um, so what I think happened, and he may not admit it, but what I think he was doing was he had set the players that he had in mind he knew where his draft position was so he set the players he had in mind and he was scrolling through to see which great players he could pick up 
that other people would be like, that's a great grab. And he's scrolling through them. It hits his turn. Aaron Holiday, somebody who's on a fringe of like, oh, this could be a great pick if he has a breakout year. He clicks him to add him to his queue, but it was his turn. So he clicks him. He actually drafts him. And boom, he's like, no, I didn't mean to draft him. So, you know, it's embarrassing. It's your fifth pick. You know, you're, you're putting money in. So I get it. But it's not an electrical impulse. He should have just owned up to it and said, I made a mistake. So what happens? He comes to you. He's explained this to you. You are now the judge. You let him redraft. You start the whole thing over. Or Aaron Holiday is on his team. We play the season. Aaron Holiday is on his team. Both. I mean, I, th- I think if you guys caught it early enough, if you had paused the draft right then and had that discussion, then you could say, if you wanted to be fair and everybody was friends, you could say, who would you have selected? Nobody takes him. Everybody picks everybody but that person and let him select him in the next pick. We paused it and Connor consider all this. We paused it about four four rounds later after a whole lot of screaming, had an M impromptu vote that most people did not participate in um, and because of a whole lot of abstention we ended up finishing the draft he is in fact right now going to be playing with a team with uh, a holiday Maxime what's your ruling I'm on the other end of it I'm going to be honest I think if it's a real life if this is actually the NBA like that kind of mistake doesn't happen and so I think it's I think it's only fair that that's, that's just such an obvious mistake Right, he didn't actually think that he should take Holiday in the fifth pick. I think that I think dude deserves to have a reset. Uh, Objection, Connor. <laughs> we're gonna go to you. Let me add one more piece of information for you that these boys didn't have. Um, so I, I agree. Um, I think that one of the possible things that could have happened. There's a word for it. It's the queue. You get to put people you're thinking about drafting over into your queue. And the nightmare scenario is you have these dudes over there, these sleepers you're gonna pick up. Your timer runs down while you're not paying attention and the dude at the top of your queue goes, right? So that's what could have happened. What this guy said was, hey, I took a picture of my queue. I can show you right now that he wasn't in it. Now, I wanna point out just slightly, either A, he took a picture of his queue before he drafted, which doesn't make any sense to me, or he took a picture of his queue after he drafted, which would be completely worthless and would show nothing, but that's what he said. Connor, you are our deciding vote. What should go on here, man? Does this dude go on and play a team with A. Holiday, or is it a redraft? I, I, have, a, I have a clarifying question. So did he, did he contact the commissioner or whoever was running it before anyone else drafted? Great before qu- another pick no. happened? So he, it was impossible to con- contact the commissioner directly, but he made it. He makes the pick at five. And then immediately there is a message board on the actual draft app. So immediately he says, mistake, 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 mistake. And then everyone else is also being, what the hell just happened? And there's ongoing discussions then. So he makes it clear the second after it happens, that is not who I want. Can we please reset this? Yeah, under under that fact pattern, I would, I would say that you should let him repick and reset it. Uh, if, if he had not really been paying attention and it had been uh, a mistake with the program and and he drafted Aaron Holiday, but he, he contacted you guys several picks later and was like, oh, that's not fair. I would say, you know what, dude, you need to be paying attention. Um, sorry, tough luck. But if he contacted you guys the moment that it happened, I would say, you know, the guy, the guy obviously isn't a negligent team manager he was doing his due diligence and odds are something happened whether he made a mistake or it was a it was a electronic error you know no no 
insane person is going to take Aaron Holiday number five overall. So um, I would I would give him I would give him a pass, uh, especially since I'm assuming he's a friend of yours. You know, you gotta you gotta give good good karma, goodwill to uh, to buddies that you're close enough to to be in a fantasy basketball league with. I can clarify that I know it's actually two people. It's a co-managed team, which I don't mind saying is a very weird bitch-made thing to do, and I don't know why the hell they are doing that. But I can confirm that both of them I've known for decades are not liars and are actually phenomenal fantasy players. So there's some reason to believe where they came from. Um, if we had a gavel sound, now is where it would play. So maybe <laughs> we can add that to the ultimate board, and I'll give you a, uh, a cleanup. So we never actually get to give you a sense of, of what has ultimately happened. So here is what's going to happen. I, we've got your ruling, Connor. It is what it is. Um, but the the league has ruled to continue to play. He's going to play with his A Holiday team with this twist. Every team that he comes in front of is going to pay $20 of his buy-in so that if he gets halfway up the standings, it is a free um, entry into the league and an mm-hmm. F you to all the people beneath him, which is where we ultimately left this thing. I, you know, who knows? Who knows if that's the right move? But um, I blame Yahoo. I don't know. Dude. I mean, whatever that <laughs> know, like that, that impulse thing is uh, needs to be taken out. I appreciate you, Connor Madden. We, we'd love having you on, especially in the role of the Honorable Letourneau. How much better was this one when the last one we dragged you into? Uh, much better. Um, I honestly was a little reluctant to do it again after that debacle when I was in New York, but uh, this is this is much better. So props to you for for improving. Yeah, well, we have our moments. You know how much I love you. You also know I'm not alone. Those people out there need some more Laterno. Where should they go? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at con underscore crime. Find all my stuff at sschronicle.com. And then uh, I have my own podcast, Warriors Off Court. Uh, I got a couple bigger features dropping in the coming days, so uh, stay locked and loaded. Exactly right for us. You got one more question for you, Connor. I'm uh, on the last pod. Last pod, I was all in and still am on us finding a way, however possible, to get Stephen Adams on the Warriors. Tell me how that can be possible. <laughs> I, man, the, 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 the thing that we didn't even talk about today is they're in such a, a dire situation with the cap and with their roster flexibility that they really can't add any assets the rest of the season. I mean, they they can't really do a trade or anything to add another player. There's been a lot of talk about, you know, there's been a lot of talk about trading D'Angelo Russell as a, using him as a trade chip, but the timing of that doesn't really make a lot of sense because you would have to trade him probably before before uh, Clay Thompson comes back, and so you you probably don't want to do that. You're probably going to want to wait until at least the summer to trade him if you decide you want to trade him. So the reality of the situation is this roster is going to look the same come June as it as it looks right now, except for maybe a Marcus Chris on the 15 man or, or something like that but generally speaking it's going to be pretty much the same it's not what i was looking for but thank you way to end it on a down note hooray for us you want to reach out and let marcus know it needs to not be so goddamn depressing <laughs> that uh, i need to stop being such a homer that maxime is right wrong or otherwise reach out to us we can be hit up at warriorshuddle.gmail.com twitter account is what it always is at warriors huddle We appreciate you guys, we love you guys, and we will see you guys in a couple of weeks. Go Warriors!
Good, good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc mike rowe here with a radical idea If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. 